writing the, the, the gospel. He's written that and sent it out. And uh, he's writing to a group of churches, a group of house churches in the region that he's in. And it was likely that this letter was circulated around to the different churches. So before we start, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you if you were writing a letter to someone, if you were not sure that you were ever going to get to see them again or be able to write to them again, someone that you hold dear, maybe it's one of your children, maybe it's a good friend, maybe it's a close relative. What would you want to say to them in that letter? What would you want to pass on to them that's important to you? It's a really interesting question. What is it that you'd want to say in a letter to someone that's really important? When I was uh, much younger, um, in fact, my calculations are correct, 17 years ago, um, I got engaged and... uh, One of my ways of impressing Tanya was to write poems for her. But I wasn't just there to impress her. That's uh, a little bit cynical. I actually wrote wrote poems to her because I wanted to communicate something important, something on my heart, something I valued to her. And in fact, I didn't bring it this morning. I was meant to bring it. Um, I was going to bring a poem that I wrote and gave Tanya when I proposed to her. And and, and I'm going to tease you and not actually tell you what that poem was. You're most welcome to ask Tanya for it. And uh, I'm sure she'd read it out to you. But it's just an example of something that somebody writes that's valuable and significant to somebody else. And so this letter of, of this first letter of John is something that is writing that is really, it's like a will. It's like a poem to your fiance. It's something that is his heart to all these churches. And it's, and it's really cool for us to really see it that way. So let's, if you've got your Bibles, I really encourage you to pull them out and, and open them. Just uh, if you haven't noticed the last little, last few weeks, I've, uh, I'm really keen for us as a body to get into the Word. We're, we're obviously starting this new series and really excited to get into this book. I, I hear the young adults are looking at uh, the book of, uh, of Luke, which is really cool. Just so excited that people are taking the opportunity this time to get into the Word, and we really want to do that too. So I'm just going to start, um, we're just going to do the first four verses and introduce this, but uh, I'm just going to start with 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was manifest and we have seen it. The life was manifest and we have seen it. Now, this is very similar to the the Gospel of John. We see a lot of parallels here. And in fact, we see the parallel with with Genesis, where it was like in the beginning. And John's starting pretty grand here. He's starting, he's not holding back any punches. He's going straight into it. And the start of the Gospel of John is similar. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So you can see a real parallel here. John's sort of starting the same way. But John's making a slightly different emphasis here, which is really important. And the first thing that is super important that John wants to make make clear to these people is that Jesus was real. 
He was tangible. He was God in the flesh. John is, is giving testimony to the fact that he witnessed and experienced Jesus firsthand. The same power that the, the word of life, as he describes it as, that created the universe and breathed life into creation in the beginning is what he experienced in the flesh. You know, when I was about seven years old, uh, we were living in Botswana at the time. Mum and Dad were missionaries over there. And I went outside and I came running back into Dad. And I can vividly remember this. And I said to Dad, there's a snake outside in our sandpit, in our little play area. And, uh, and Dad said, there can't be. It's the middle of winter. Um, there's no snakes around now. And I was like, no, Dad, there's a snake outside in our sandpit. And he was like, no, 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 Matt, probably called me Matthew, actually. Matthew, it must be just a lizard. There's no snake outside. And so I said it a third time. I said, Dad, I'm pretty sure there's a snake outside. And so Dad went outside, and this is what he saw. There was a spinning cobra. Now, that's not a picture of the, of the cobra that, uh, that was in our backyard. Out in our backyard was this spinning cobra. And for me as a little seven-year-old, it was such justification of the fact that I really saw a snake in our backyard in the middle of winter. Now, a little side story that's completely unrelated was uh, um, Dad killed the snake um, for our safety, and then my uncle proceeded to cook it up and we ate it. So there you go, just a, a weird side story. We, we ate that snake. But it's so important for John in this situation that he's, he's talking about a tangible, real Jesus. You see, there were a bunch of people that had started talking about stories. This is years after, after Jesus had, had left the earth and gone back to the Father. And, and they'd started saying, well, maybe Jesus wasn't real. Maybe he was just a ghost. Maybe he was just a spirit and looked like a person. And John wants to make it absolutely clear that the, this Jesus that he witnessed, that he met, that he journeyed with, was a real, tangible Jesus. Let's move on. It says, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. It's interesting. So he starts by saying it's so important that Jesus was real and tangible. And I don't want you to ever forget that. But it doesn't stop there. John goes on to say, Jesus is not just something that I experienced, but it's something I then proclaimed. That as apostles, we proclaim the message of who Jesus was, of the Son of God, present, tangible to you all. He's making it clear that Jesus wasn't just an experience for them, but Jesus is actually something that he proclaimed to all these people. And that the reason that these people are now Jesus followers is because he took that next step, that Jesus is to be proclaimed. It's such an important perspective that he wants these guys to know, that Jesus was real, that was tangible, that was in the flesh, that, that, that the living God came down to earth in person, and, and John experienced that. But he didn't stop there. He went on to proclaim that to everyone else and wants to make that clear to them right at the beginning of this letter. And lastly, he says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father 
and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So we get to this point, the punchline of the introduction of John's letter. He introduces the fact that uh, he was Jesus was tangible, that he, he experienced Jesus in a tangible, physical way. That he then passed on the message that proclaimed who Jesus was. But the reason for that was so that these believers, these people that were Jesus' followers, could experience as well fellowship with the Father and with his Son, and therefore their joy may be complete. Jesus wasn't something that was just a story from 70 years earlier, that Jesus was actually something to be experienced. He was someone to be experienced. The Father was someone to be experienced. The link is now complete. God revealed himself. The apostles proclaimed it. And now we all have fellowship with the Father and the Son, making our joy complete. Now, this word fellowship is really cool. It's, uh, it's the Greek word koinonia. And the Greek word koinonia means participation in God's own life and love. It's participating in what God's doing. So here's Jesus, tangible and real, that John, in possibly his last letter, now we know it isn't because he writes two more letters, 2nd John and 3rd John, but could have been his last letter to a bunch of believers. And he wants to say that Jesus was real, that God, the word of life, was in the flesh and he experienced it. He wants to make sure that Jesus is proclaimed, that he's not held as a mystery or a secret, that, that it's passed on, and that Jesus is to be experienced, this koinonia, this fellowship, being one with the Father and the Son. Wow. This is phenomenal, and this is what John wants us to understand. First, out of the gate, he's not holding back. He wants to make sure that believers like us know these things. It's really, really easy for us to get distracted. It's really easy for us to make other things the priority. It's really easy, even in this time, and even though we've got more time and capacity potentially, to get distracted and discouraged and to focus on other things. But at the start of this letter, John starts by introducing what's important. He starts by making sure we're fully aware of what is the priority in life. What is the priority for us as believers? What is real life? Well, I think today we are being reminded by John that as believers, he's handing on the baton to believers like you and I. He's handing on the, the responsibility, the pro proclamation, the testifying of who Jesus is and the experience that we have of Jesus. Just a, an illustration of what it means to be receiving this truth, to be receiving this testimony that John brings us, a guy that was physically with Jesus. Now, none of us experience that, but we have first-hand account of John experiencing the Son of God in the flesh. Don't 
dismiss it as something that is a, a Sunday school story, is something that, that you were told once and is sort of filed on a shelf as a nice idea. This is the core, the central theme of what John wants, to, wants us to understand. And today he wants us to take this uh, and the seriousness of receiving the baton, receiving the baton from John of what it means to be a Jesus follower, of what it means to have lives committed to Jesus, the real tangible Jesus in the flesh, the Jesus that needs to be proclaimed, that needs to be declared, and the Jesus that needs to be experienced as John hands the baton on to fellow believers. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this this word, this letter. I thank you so much that John took the time to prepare this word for believers. Lord, I thank you so much for the years that you spent with him, revealing yourself to John. And I thank you, Lord, that we can participate in that because of his testimony, because of his gospel, because of the word that he shared with us as you challenged him and and encouraged him to do. Lord, we thank you so much for the truth that you were tangible and real. We thank you so much, Lord, that you are a God that is worth proclaiming, that Jesus, you're a saviour that is worth proclaiming. And I thank you, Lord, that you're also a God that is tangible and, and we can experience today because of the amazing things that Jesus did on the cross and because of the testimony that we've heard through John's word today and have heard through many others. Lord, I pray you would continue to stir our hearts as we enter into this series, Father, on what real life looks like through John's letter. Lord, I pray you continue to remind us of the central significant focus of you, Jesus, our Saviour, our Redeemer, and our fellowship with the Father and with the Son. We praise you and we glorify you and ask you to continue to transform our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen.